Wake up, sleepers. It's time for Level Zero Literacy. That's right. We're back, and we're covering 2022 cult hit Citizen Sleeper. This is going to be an absolute heater of an episode, so I hope you're ready. Over the course of the episode, though, we are going to spoil the events of the game from beginning to end, and we're going to discuss some topics that include, but are not limited to, transhumanism, murder, and forced labor. So please use your best judgment before listening. Enjoy! Hello out there, listeners. My name is Samuel, and I am joined by Buck. Uh, in preparation for this cast, I slept for exactly five hours last night. And Mason. I joined a commune, so and we took this, different directions. This is Level Zero Literacy. Today it is time to talk about Citizen Sleeper, the cult hit of 2022, a point-and-click RPG made by Jump Over the Age and written by Gareth Damian Martin. In Citizen Sleeper, you play as a sleeper, a synthetic being that has the mind of a human imprinted into it, designed with the purpose of doing hard labor deep out in space. You've escaped your poor working conditions and find yourself on the Eye, a destroyed space station where people from all walks of life have attempted to make a new home for themselves. Will you, as a sleeper, manage to keep your body intact while exploring and finding a place for yourself? That's what the game poses to ask. Major themes include refugeeism, capitalism, immigration, and bodily autonomy. So, I'm going to open up the floor. I just want to let's just get it out of the way because I know we all had very different experiences playing this game. Obviously, the gameplay aspect of this game and how it mixes with the story doesn't always hit the way you want it to doesn't doesn't gel perfectly i think i think the biggest if i were if i could change one thing about this game i think it is that the fact that you as a player are not allowed to manually save makes sense thematically and i understand why they did it from a design perspective but it just makes for a very poor experience because while this didn't happen to me or buck mason found himself in a death loop death spiral and without a manual save to go back to to back up to he didn't really have any of the recourse other than just starting a new file yeah it was a very frustrating experience also i think even if you know like i would settle for if if like manual saves are just completely out of the question i would settle for like any fail states at all (laughs) Yeah. In the game. There's not even like a game over, really. One of the problems I had was that in my game where I was like death looping, the main story just continued to happen around me, and I was just unable to interact with it at all. And that's why I felt like I really needed to start over, was because like there were all these scenes that I missed just because I was like trying to scrape together money to get the, the, was it called the the concoction yeah the the thing that where you can get your dice back and play the game again and just like things were just progressing without me right and and, oh man it was it was brutal yeah buck didn't you also have to start over so i did reasons for different reasons the main different reason being i didn't like how things were going and i started i started the end game thing before i should have 
Oh, gotcha. And because I thought I was done with main story stuff, and I simply was not. There is a... <laughs> I, w- I was shocked at the amount of things I had yet to do when I was five hours into the game. I was five hours in, I was like, there is, I, there's like two or three different storylines that I have not even touched or started on yet because I just, mostly just because I simply didn't know they existed. Like, I didn't find anything with the Overlook until like four or five hours into the game because I was so busy just doing other plot lines. Yeah. That, was, that was another thing that was happening to me. I think if I had made different decisions with how I chose to explore in my first save file, I would have, I would be very flush with resources that I was missing. But sometimes in the game, you kind of choose to explore certain areas and then you find a bunch of resource sinks. And then other times you choose to explore areas and you find a bunch of resource fountains. Yeah. If that makes sense. So I, I think I just kind of got, it was like, I think a bit of a perfect storm of just kind of bad luck after bad luck. I think, I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell how much was the result of kind of ill decision-making and the result of where the game was pointing or failing to point me. Yeah. I don't really know. Now that I've played both, I like, or played twice and had a save file go right. Thank God. It's, it's, it's very hard to say. I, you know, I mean this in the kindest way possible. I just don't think the game design in this game is very strong. I I think there are good ideas here. I think they're not fleshed out in a way that makes sense. I mean, y'all can feel free to disagree with me, but I... I wish there was more juice to squeeze here in terms of gameplay because in my second playthrough, I simply just, like when I finished the game, I had I had three, three stabilizers, 600 bits. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, so yeah. I, do, I do disagree I, with you. I, so... To me, one of the core things this game is about is community and finding your place in a community, right? One of the, there is an aspect of, in this game that is baked in where the more you immerse yourself in the community of the eye, the less you have to struggle for resources. It is about becoming a, becoming a function of the people of the eye, becoming a part of, you know, and and that doesn't necessarily equate to good gameplay, but I think for delivering a message, for delivering what the developers were going for, I think it does work in the favor of that, in that, and I wrote it down in my notes, the, I, I wrote, the more you integrate into the communities, the less you need money, the less you need to hunt for resources, you know? Right. And, In the and, Haifa commune, you find a way to just develop stabilizers. You know, there's lots of tasks that you end up being able to do where you can just be fed by just doing some labor for people, you know? Right. But I'm, yeah, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. You are saying true statements. It's just, 
so like I don't understand why different classes exist. I don't like I think I understand exactly what you're saying. I think it's too easy to solve. I sure the my first playthrough I never struggled until I started the end thing too early and then my second playthrough I never even got close. Like I never got to a point where I had less than 5 dice. Yeah. I I, I just <laughs> I I I think part of it is it's a little bit of false advertising to get people into the game. I think the game is not at all about the struggles of finding resources. I think it's the inverse where it's about the ease of it being able to survive when you merely cooperate with the people that you find. You know what I mean? The the one the one compliment I will pay to the gameplay in this game is that the mechanics of the gameplay flow forward from the ideas in a in a very good way. Yeah. So it's like if you were struggling to get by barely like feeding yourself and in declining health, you wouldn't have the energy to go work an extra shift at a place or take time to go explore the new part of the city. You'd probably just want to like go home and rest all the time. Yep. But like, that's not very interesting gameplay. I, I think, <laughs> I think the, the way I would sum it up is that it, this game has great design, but not always good implementation of the design. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I can see I, that. I can, I can to a certain level agree with that because my problems are with how the math works out, which is implementation. So with that out of the way, the way I kind of want to guide our conversation today is work through the core of this game is the characters and the interactions you end up having with them. And I think the best way to talk about the game and the messages that it tries to convey is just to talk through sort of the main cast. And there's a lot of the main cast and just kind of talk about what we think this character meant to as the messaging of this game. And then, you know, we can kind of break out into sort of general discussion about their storylines and how they played out. So I'm gonna we're just gonna take this from the weakest. This is all gonna be my perception. We don't necessarily all agree on these. The weakest writing and storylines to the strongest. So I think to me the weakest storyline in this game is Fang and Harden, because I think part of it to me was that I didn't like fang's characterization yeah particularly much where there were a lot of times that i just didn't even want to work with him or side with him because of his the way he would go about things it was one of those things where it's like i can always i can always tell that this character well it wasn't even that i didn't even always know if fang had good intentions you know there were times where i was like I don't know if Fang is actually working towards the best end for the people of the eye. And so I actually like, there were lots of scenes where I actually questioned of if I wanted to help him at all, especially during the hardened confrontation when he tries to go out in public and be like, Oh, you, I have all this evidence on you and data on you. And you're just like, 
this has got to be the worst way about going about this. And then at the end, he's like, oh, yeah, I just had to do that to get close to him so I could snake some of his data. But he could have just told you that. Yeah. There was no, there was no like logical reason at that point for him to be withholding that information from you. Yeah. I, he, he's partial, like, he's supposed to be like your, like, laissez faire kind of bro, right? But like, he never does any of the work to earn any of that. Like, he, he's always, you always just see the shitty side of the bro. And never like the like endearing side. Not even not really <laughs> until like the very, very end when he's like, Oh yeah, I can take your tracker out now. Yeah. He, he also never tells you any information about why like what's going on with the tracker and why it's so hard to develop. He could have easily just been like, Oh yeah, this is so hard to develop because the technology I'm working through with you being a sleeper is very difficult to bypass. I I found I can not a very similar reading of Fang than you, but I was similarly dissatisfied with the storyline. I found his motivations to be pretty easy yeah. to be on board with, which is like, okay, he's got a chip on his shoulder because of his parents' life, and he this guy is kind of this remnant of the or this shadow of this big terrible thing, and he wants revenge. And I, you know, I could kind of level with that. I could get behind it. I could suspend disbelief. Um, but then <clears throat> I just didn't understand my motivation as the character to help him at all or like why I should believe that he has any capability to help me with the tracker <laughs> because he'd be like, okay, I'm going to take your tracker first. You do a bunch of stuff that's really hard with technology that I can't do. And I'm like, aren't I supposed to be like trusting you to do some really hard technological stuff? You can't, yeah, but, but I mean like part of it is what he's talking about is you being able to see the data. Yeah. You see the data, the data yourself into the <laughs> internet, but he's like, he's like a systems guy. This like should be everything he asks you to do is like things that should be very easy for someone of his position. If he works full time as systems analyst, for the eye, I would imagine that it would be very easy for him to like find a specific computer or terminal in the network and then implant a worm in it. I think that is a, well, one, he needs to not get caught, right? <laughs> well, he doesn't even do and, that. He's completely and, hands off and he still gets arrested. And well, yeah, of but, his own doing. but yeah, uh, but the other the other thing I think is maybe you're just making too much of a logical leap in terms of what the sleeper's power actually is. That's fair. I mean, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe this comes from like a layperson's understanding of computer networking. I don't really know. Or maybe they wanted it to be uh maybe they wanted it to be digestible for a layperson. Yeah. I thought it was pretty, understanding I mean, of the, networking. The concept the concept of sleepers being sort of between two worlds where they're not artificial intelligence but they're also not people like just regular people i think i wish they almost wish they had explored it more because there's some really cool scenes with the navigator that we'll get to in a bit that are some of the what i feel is some of the coolest world building things they did for the game 
Can I tell you my biggest gripe with Fang's storyline? Yeah. It was, in fact, the reason I started my game over, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. I spoke earlier about how the game has just like no fail states and it can be very frustrating because you never really know when to abandon a save file and start a new one or whatever. Several steps in the Fang's story quest in you you've paid a bunch of money to get to this remote area of the space station and he shows up there and he's like mind you i was in the i was already in a death spiral at this point right and he's like okay we've found where these evil guys are hanging out now the next part's gonna be hard i might die this is gonna be bad You know, he said all the things that indicated to me as the player that this is, number one, important, number two, dangerous, and most importantly, number three, I didn't have to start until I wanted to, okay? He was like, I'm going to give you time to figure out everything you need to do, and then we'll start, which while I was reading it, I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm in a death spiral right now. I'll work my way out of that, and then we'll do this. And then at the end, he goes, okay, we're going to start in six days. <laughs> I was like, what was all that about? And of course, I he just kind of takes off and starts doing it on his own because I'm, I'm certainly not prompting him. I'm using my one dice every day to eat. And then he's like, okay, you have three or four days or whatever to uh, hack all this stuff or I'm going to die. This is what you do in the event that I die. And I was like, oh, a fail state, you know? And then the last day passed. I didn't roll the dice that I needed to to do that. Which is two, a five and two sixes. Yeah. And I was rolling one die a day. And then like the I woke up on the day after the deadline passed. And the first line of dialogue was like, Fang did it on his own. And I just cut the game off. And I was like, no. <laughs> no, this sucks. This sucks. He, do, he just did it on his own. Ha ha. Uh, no, no bad consequences. I like, never saw any of those, so I can't really weigh sucked. in. It sucks. It's just like, oh, yeah, Fang just went and did all the stuff on his own. You didn't have to do any of it. <laughs> the most negative consequence I got was the Maywick scene, which is a clean segue into the next characters, Ethan and Maywick. Yeah. Ethan is, I don't know, maybe even worse than Fang, but, like, Ethan is at least, like, supposed to be shitty and unbearable. I... I think they did a good job of making a shitty and unbearable dude that is also a failure. I think they did a (laughs) bafflingly bad job at writing this character. This was like the one, this was like another one of those thing. I understood it's really hard with Ethan to wrap my head around why he does the things he does other than it's like convenient for the plot. I, 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 I'm, I'm curious as to why I I need you to legitimize. Okay. So, you start the game and, you know, you have this big long like, oh, you need to take the tracker out or some dude's going to come get you, right? And then you don't get the tracker out in time and the bounty hunter shows up. And I think it's almost impossible to get the tracker out. It, I don't, it, I don't it think is, you can. It, it is literally impossible. Yeah, no, you certainly can't before Ethan shows up. But he shows up. Which puts, is the game showing you that if a bad thing happens, it doesn't mean the game is over. But it's like, I, it just, I don't it just know doesn't what, make any sense. Yeah, that's Because that's he, he rolls up. He's like, oh. I found you because of your tracker. He puts you in handcuffs. He's like, it's my big payday. I'm going to take you back and get paid. Walks you all the way to the ship and then just undoes the handcuffs and goes, "Mm, but what if I didn't? Okay. What if actually I go so, do something else? And so, it's like, what, what is what? So the, the confusing thing here is that did not happen to me. 
Oh, I see. I <laughs> I simply fought him and <laughs> did not have that happen. <laughs> so you didn't have to do the thing where you like were paying his bar bills. And... Oh no, I still had to like pay his bar bill, but he didn't get me like actually back to the ship. I don't. Yeah, he just he put me in handcuffs, <laughs> walked me all the way back, and then he was like, and then he just undoes the handcuffs and is like, actually, I'm gonna go drink. You go do whatever the hell you want to do. I'll just let you roam free. You continue to go completely without any consequence, and then you just check back on me in yeah. six days. And, and I was like... But if you ever try to leave, he's going to put a bullet in your Who, ca- who cares? He, he's an incompetent idiot, Mason. Like, I don't... Yeah, I... I, <laughs> I don't really get why you're so mad and saying... It's, it, like, it's just he only... The he, point of his character is he's incompetent. It's But this isn't incompetence. This is like refusing... What? What about it is not incompetence? Well, me, so Mace is trying to say that like it, there's a difference between like incompetence and a flat out refusal to perform the task you've been. Yeah, this is your it's job, just, but like know? someone I, didn't write a guy who like fumbles with the handcuffs and like you can run away from him and he like trips over his feet. That's incompetence. I mean, we're, I don't I don't want to argue the semantics about what the word incompetence means. We that's, that's not what I'm saying. We have well. It, to me it is like i i think letting you go is the same thing as fumbling with the handcuffs like i don't see how it's meaningfully different i think the choices they make with him they could have either had him be like for instance for example if they wanted to make a character who was incompetent they could make him like fumbling or you know gullible or something like that and then it's a different character but like, instead, they make him just do things that are just straightforwardly against his own best interest I, for no reason. I, well, so the thing, I, the thing I wrote down for Ethan, because eventually I started when I kind of found out this game was more character driven. I, I the thing I wrote down for Ethan was stuck in cycles because he's an addict. You know, I, I, the he lives the life of a man who is not able to supplement his vices very often so now that he has been put in a place where he is able to sort of freely give in to his his addictions you know he is trying to put himself in a situation where he can kind of he is given and is, also have a patsy to pay his way to be able to continue to now i think the problem with that is that would that storyline just doesn't work with what this game is and i think that's my issue with it more than like i i think he's bad at his job or whatever i just don't think i don't think ethan as a character works in citizen sleeper i think that character is meant for a different storyline than what this game is going for maybe yeah maybe uh but i mean like in the absence of ethan there is like barely any antagonism right well that's that's the thing right is when (laughs) so obviously i know you didn't have maywick show up at any point but both me and mason did and I felt I personally felt that the Maywick scene was pretty tense because there was a scene I had with Ethan earlier where you I fought him at the bar and then the bartender like dismantles his gun and like pulls all the bullets out of it and so then you have this very tense moment 
of trying to like take the gun from Ethan and like fumbling with it to shoot Maywick and Ethan ends up dead and you end up shooting Maywick. But what I found so chilling about that scene was that Maywick is also a sleeper. Oh, I didn't, I didn't get that info at all. Well, you don't, it's not, I don't think it's like, like said by the dialogue in the game. But if you look at Maywick's design, Maywick is a sleeper. Interesting. And I found that really, I found that to be the best part of Ethan's storyline because it was like at the end of it, despite the fact that sleepers are very specifically designed to do only one thing and there is a very tight leash kept on them by the corporations of of space, they sp- specifically allowed one to go because it was so good at doing the task of killing other sleepers. I I I wish Maywick would have been allowed to breathe as, or just like have any dialogue. Yeah. Because that's a cool concept. I, I wrote down, I wrote down capitalism bends its own rules. If it means more efficiency and solving its own problems, it's problems that it creates. I, the, my experience with Maywick was also i mean in the in this not in the same sense but like also a letdown for kind of different reasons because i had this big long kind of story arc where it's like okay this big timer is ticking and he's coming and you you know this is like the big like you know ethan may be like not focused and doesn't do really anything that makes sense but shitty maywick is like where you know they're talking him up right and then you have this really tense scene where you like sneak into the bar where you've been working to steal back ethan's gun um and you give it to him and he's like okay cool i'm now just gonna shoot you and then maywick comes kills ethan and then in one line of dialogue i pick up the gun and shoot maywick and it's like what what he was supposed to be like he was supposed to be cool He's dead now. He de- he was dead in one dialogue line. I I thought the I other just good. I I don't know. I am confused about your interpretation of the circles. Other like I just viewed the circles as a thing will happen when this happens, and red means a thing that can cause stress, and yellow means a thing that is good progress. Oh, I just, I mean, like, (laughs) the way that, the way that Ethan talked up Maywick, I was like, oh, and it was like a big, super long circle, right? So I was like, oh, what's the reason they would give you a big, super long circle? Because it's something really bad. Um, And, you know, it's like, Ethan's like, you need my protection. You need to get me out of this bar. You need to get my gun back. That's the only way you're going to survive. I mean, you would have died if you didn't have the gun, most likely. Well, I mean, mean, we don't know that for sure, obviously, but... The other part, the other big part of that scene is that you learned that Maywick was the one who destroyed the si- the ship you salvaged at the beginning of the game. Yeah, that was that was like a interesting uh, thing too. Y- you find that out if you. Well, I mean, I'm sure you, you do don't. Still you don't find that out. You don't find it out if it's May. You don't find out that it's exactly Maywick. No, no, you do. Yeah, you do. Ethan tells uh, you. Well, yeah. So like. If you just take the ship apart, you find out somebody destroyed the ship and there was a sleeper on it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I did, not I not that. take it apart. You investigate. It. Yeah, you investigate. Oh no, I took it apart because I yeah, needed no. the money. <laughs> it, it, investigating it gives you a free uh, stabilizer. Uh, stabilizer. Oh. But then you also get kicked out of the bay because yeah. I didn't write his name down. But he doesn't. Uh, D- Dagos. Dagos is like, I can't trust you around here if you're just going to be not working. So I took I took the ship apart instead of investigating it. You get a, like a small chunk of money, like fifty dollars or something. Wait, what's um, the stabilizer? You get no, you get no stabilizer, and then Dagos is like, "Okay, now you got to leave and don't ever come back." And you're like, "Why?" And he's like, "Well, I'm, I'm kind of afraid that people are hunting you." It's like what? Dagos is okay. A, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, let's start and talk about Dagos because I didn't actually have him on my list. He's it's, I, it's he's because not like he's just kind remote. of a he's just like a tutorial character more yeah. or less. It's not. I'm not really gonna hold. He Dagos doesn't really against, have a though. lot of a lot of character to him. I think his design's really cool. One of the things I really like about this game is the character designs. Yeah, and the like art's kind of, awesome. Kind of across the board, I think the the designs are like they range from like pretty good to like outstanding, honestly. All right, I've been I've been bitching the whole time. I will say that's like really the last of like the things that were upsetting. Yeah, now everything else is sauce. Now now after we talk to Ethan and Maywick, there's a big gap and we get to talk about characters that are like range from Pretty cool, like pretty awesome. Yeah. So, let's start with uh, Sabine and Rabia. So these were the doctor and the Yadagan agent, kind of like the right hands woman of the Yadagan head head Yadagan yeah. Yadagan guy. The Yadagan. The the Yada guy. Yeah. I thought that I I was really happy with where the storyline went because. I felt this was like the first storyline I finished after Fangs and it was I was glad that the it was more satisfying all the way through. You know, it it I felt that there there was like good tension, there was good stakes, you know, the this is all about like you being able to maintain like a structure of the eye that is important to the livelihoods of so many people, you know, you don't really get to fix Havenage ever. You don't really ever get to, I mean, the Haifa commune is completely self-sustaining and good on its own. They don't really need help from anyone else or you. They're not really self-sustaining. There's like a, we'll get to that. Yeah. They're being sustained. But, I thought, but the Yadagun are essentially just a crime institution. They're the that, space Yakuza. Yeah, that look yeah, after their Yakuza. people. Their people. <laughs> this is like the biggest impact you actually have on not inc- with withholding the refugee flotilla. This is the biggest impact you have on an actual body within the eye. I mean... I I guess that's true. I mean, I I understand Fing sucked, but you literally stopped the eye from being deconstructed by a corporation. By yeah, doing but that's course. not you're not impacting Havenage right as right. as an institution really, other than getting hard because like as you learn later, even getting rid of Harden doesn't really fix the issues of Havenage as an organization. Whereas Yadagon is literally being controlled by an SMR. actual puppet, a literal meat puppet. I I do think that 
Robbie and Sabine should have been the tutorial characters, like the tutorial storyline. They they kind of teach you that the entire game is about these characters that are living in fear of these big corporations, living in the shadows of the corporation's actions. And they teach it to you way better than Fang would. Yeah. Like I enjoyed every step of this. It was like filled with like mystery and like I like genuinely didn't know which way things were going. And like the big reveal at the end was like genuinely like really shocking when you consider the implications that like, oh yeah, SNARP can just like remote control a whole dude yeah yeah that's like horribly scary and it like throws into question like wow there's a bunch of other powerful people on erlin's eye like i wonder you know which one of the you see a lot of people with like head implants and it's like ooh, you know i wonder if like that's going on with them too and it's like it it encapsulated it it like was a really good um what do you call it vertical slice it's a really good like vertical slice of everything that you're doing and all these characters you're interacting with for the rest of the game. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm not, uh, this is the last time I'm going to harp on the game design. Part of the reason this took me so long to do is because it takes like fucking, there's a lot of timers. It, it takes like fucking 14 dice. <laughs> yeah. And there's uh, a lot of like, and <laughs> oh, you have to wait four days for, you have to wait four days for Robbie to show back up at the, the Yadigan posts. Oh, you have to wait four days for Sabine to send you a message, or you know, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like hurry up and wait type deal. Yeah, and I think there is an aspect of that that is to the benefit of the game because it does force you to interact with other storylines or just gather resources for yourself. Another reason it would make a good tutorial level. Yeah. There's like, okay, you got to wait, go make something to yourself, go make a new friend, go make money. I really Which, I really wish they would have made this the the central one. They were intending so like to maybe make my specific point. They were intending for you to do this first. Sabine is the second character you fucking find on the eye. That's yeah. true. Or the third. That's, yeah, that's true. It, but because you have to work your way to Sabine's apartment, then you have to wait. Then you have to work your way. You have to get to Rabia or however you say her name then you have to wait then you have to do a whole lot more work to progress their storyline than any other thing that you can interact with so like the thing that made me do it was put it off when i would have gotten a lot more i think out of it initially if it was a little bit shorter because I mainly just put it off because it was like doing that work was like the least game theory valuable stuff compared to the other things that I could be doing in other places in the first area that you go in. I think that's very valid. Normally, normally under most circumstances, I would say like, well, you're taking like way too much of a game theory lens to this, but like they baked all these mechanics into the game, right? That's like, this was all with intentionality that they're like, you knew five things. And I, I mean, I mean that is like my specific thing is I think way too fucking hard about game theory in games. So like I do like, like when something is like weirdly game theory off, it does 
turn it off. You feel me. the need to optimize. I think that's that's the main thing that held the storyline back for me is like I think there is a little bit of an over oh, it being a little overly drawn out to the point where it's like when it was over I was like satisfied with it being over i was yeah. i didn't need, i didn't need any more of it at that point yeah and, and they kindly allow you to just simply continue from an ending so that you can yeah keep playing and you don't have to replay the whole game to get the rest which, of the endings if which, you don't want to which that storyline doesn't culminate in an ending. it doesn't like <laughs> a lot of the other ones do but all right so the next person was tala who is the proprietor of the overlook Another very cool storyline. Very cool storyline. And a lot more... I felt like this was probably like the lowest... The storyline with the lowest stakes. Yeah. So it was kind of like a nice reprieve from everything else that's happening where it's all like this derelict and dangerous and you're going to die crap. And I was just like, hey, can you help me run a restaurant? It would mean a lot to me and my 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 heritage yeah yeah <laughs> this was one where like the things you learn and the things you gain from doing this don't provide you much from a storyline perspective in fact in the in the spirit of looking through things from a game theory lens i think the things that you gain from this are just actively the worst some of the worst options um like the the cooking stuff but like the story is like the character is like really really cool she's I'll, like this refugee that her father like set up this restaurant and he couldn't even name it what he wanted to name it because the people on the eye were like kind of racist yeah <laughs> and they would like not dine at his restaurant if he named it in his native tongue and it's like falling apart because the supply lines in Erlen's eye are not reliable so she just has to rely on a stranger to like fix her whole shit yeah she builds her own brewery where and she mushroom makes colony really shitty mushroom beer mushroom spirits i i i, I want to go ahead buck yeah i i really liked hanging out with this character because she was just fun to be around. Yeah. And like, she was very protective she, of you. She was she was everything Fing wasn't in terms of a bro. Yes. Like Yes. <laughs> She's like so nice. She has your best interests in mind a lot of the time. She like provides a lot of valuable insight about what's going on in the eye. I wish I on my first save file that like spiraled, I wish I had done her before Fing because Fing's just like all right, I'll catch you. know, the thing that started the death spiral was paying all of my money to go to the the abandoned part of the or the the remote part of the space station and Fang's just like, "Okay, meet you over there." And she's like, "Oh, you know, you have to do this like don't, you know, no rush on it. Like it's pretty tough. Like get these mushrooms when you can." And I was like, "Man, again, <laughs> I wish that they had like centralized this a little more." Yeah. I want to I want to take a moment here to talk about how I think making mushrooms the central natural thing in this game was a like fantastic choice as far as imagery and symbolism is is concerned I as a corpse yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, like literally like the whole concept of mushrooms is like they can grow they grow off of the 
refuse and decaying parts of society, which is basically what the people of the eye are doing. Yeah. I like it. I appreciate that you never really, despite the fact that there's a whole like greenway and garden, you never really interact with any sort of natural anything that isn't mushrooms. I don't know. I just thought that was a nice touch to kind of play into the the themes of the game. Again, one of those design things that I really appreciated about this game. And because uh, I don't think it'll be really appropriate or as appropriate to mention it in other places, there is a subgenre of space stuff in video games where it's like, hey, living in space would actually fucking suck. Yeah. And be an existential crisis all the time. Yeah. And, <laughs> and this know, game does that. Yeah. It leans into it. <laughs> and, you know, Exo Colonist does that. Yep. yep. And the next game we're going to do kind of does that, yep. too. Yep. And the next game after that also kind of does that, too. <laughs> we're in a real sci-fi hole right now. Where sci-fi plus capitalism is bad hole. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. So, I'm, I'm digging it. I'm so, not complaining. Before we move on from Tala, though, we need to talk about her actual ending. So with the refugees? Yeah. <laughs> so the, I, I thought that her the arc actually ends up, her arc ends up in a really cool place. Because at first I was like, Tala, what the fuck is wrong with you? I spent all this time helping you build this restaurant and now you're just going to leave? But like the explanation from her where it's like the Overlook was never my aspirations it was my parents and i had to see it through to success for them and now i now i know i'm leaving it in capable hands with you and you can you know as 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 a player you can choose to accept or refuse i refuse because i know i was leaving but (laughs) but i think that the ending actually is really sweet in a way where it's she was willing to fight to fulfill the dreams of her parents, but that didn't mean that she wasn't also interested in going out and doing things for herself at some point. And yeah. uh, Mason, to give you the full context, she's going to look for her brother. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, because he left for somewhere called the star starward belt. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I remember that. So, so that's where the refugee flotilla is going. goes oh, at the end of the game. That's pretty cool. I, I imagine, however, I can't speak to this specifically, I imagine this resonates with a lot of people who live a migrant or refugee lifestyle, especially one whose parents like fled their home country. Again, not my not my area of expertise, so I can't say with certainty. However, this seems like it comes from a very sincere place. So I would I would imagine this is something that a lot of those people have have gone through thinking about like what their parents sacrificed to get to a whole ass new country to live and like what you owe to them because of that effort. You know, I I imagine that probably is something that children of migrants think of a lot, you know? Yeah. Speaking of mushrooms, let's talk about Rico. Very cool. Very cool character. She's very mellow in a way that I, She's almost aloof in a sense because she's so caught up in her research that, you know, 
she doesn't even really connect with you. And I, to me, I never felt like I connected with Rico on a deeper level until after she produced the first batch of stabilizer for the sleeper. But I still found her a very interesting and engaging character in spite of that, because of how, like, despite the fact that all of her needs were cared for, she still had this obsession with understanding why this was, why all this was happening. It wasn't good enough for her that things were working out for the Haifa colony and that the Greenway was so full of life. She had to understand, like, why that was and i think that is at its core a very human concept i like a very it's also a very scientific way of looking at the world too and i want to point out something about rico that i think is very interesting because i think rico is maybe the character closest to death that you really interact with that's what i was gonna say yeah yeah and i think this is just a theory. I think she cares so much about figuring it out because she thinks she's being kept alive. They don't go into it, but my intuition says the gardener, part of the gardener's thing would be prolonging life as long as possible. I mean, that's just a that's just a game theory. There's nothing there to support that. But. Yeah, I like that reading though. <laughs> I do want to expand on that. That Rika is like one of the only character. She's the oldest one, right? So yes. it's like most other characters in the game are like young adult, middle age, or in very few cases, children. She's like the only one that's like number one. You see someone in a sci-fi film that's like older you see like what elder life is like which is not something you see a lot it's really cool yeah and second of all she's like the only one that's been around since things were bad she talks about like oh yeah we went and started this commune and like a third of everyone died because we failed at the beginning yeah she was she, she literally is like we were like we're gonna start a commune and you all are welcome to come with me but it is almost inevitable that things will go poorly and you people like a good portion of people won't make it. Like when she went to lead, she was even upfront with people and people still went with her to try to build a better life for like the people that came after them. It, it makes sense to me that she's so aloof and she's so lighthearted because like, you know, if you lived through that much turmoil, if you saw th- that many people who set out on that grand experiment with you, just like die for it completely in vain. Like, would you not want to relax? You know, she's doing her fun little science. She's like eating her her experiments. You know, she's just like, I'm done being stressed. Like we've we won, we figured it out, we solved the problem, and like now I'm gonna I'm gonna live like this quiet, humble little life where I like you know, do science on these little mushrooms. And even then it's still like she doesn't really understand what exactly fixed the ability of the commune to be able to produce for themselves. And I think, and that's the part that plays into it, right? Is the fact that they never found out why the plants started growing again. It's also like one of the, one of the cooler, you know, a lot of, a lot of people in this game will be like, Oh, just by happenstance, they'll be like, Oh, Hey, I need you to do this really important work for me. And it's like, okay, you know, you're getting quests. Like, I get it. She's like, oh, you're a robot. You're probably strong. 
you know, you're going to do some <laughs> manual labor for me. And then it just so happens that because you're a sleeper, you also can interact with this thing that's been like a complete enigma for the entire, her right. entire lifetime. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's so cool, you know? Then the nice thing about Rico that happens later with the refugee flotilla is she has some really cool scenes with Aki where there's one of the refugee ships is just full of dust houses which are like greenhouses but dust they're, they're now we'll, and we'll, talk, they're, they're more, we'll desert, talk more about that they're later. desert biomes okay so yeah. all right that makes sense so the you end up in collaboration with the haifa commune you basically fix these dust bowls but also implant plants from the greenway into this so that when the refugee flotilla takes off they'll be able to support themselves with their own ecosystems and rico is like wow i finally get to see all my work and research come to a fruition where it's going to help people beyond my living beyond my commune and that was a really cool scene as well like a really cool like end cap for her storyline as well yeah, I loved I loved the the entire Haifa stuff. It's just like they even like pop up in other storylines, and they're like, "Oh yeah, they paid us in mushrooms. What yeah. the fuck?" <laughs> it's like, yeah, they don't have money over there. Well, we already alluded to it a little bit. Let's talk about the navigator and the gardener, which are the only, and I use this, I'll say only loosely, only artificial intelligences in this game. There are the hunter and the killer, but those aren't really intelligences supposed to be artificial. Yeah. But (laughs) the navigator and the gardener are the coolest world building things in this game for me. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. They're, they're sick. They they super, super interesting. What if, what if AI didn't just automatically turn into Nazis by being exposed to the internet? Yeah. 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 I like the navigator is literally just like, a person like a person that is that just happens to be that just happens to grow out of a navigation i love the vending machine interactions yeah new vend it's it's because like they frame it as this might be some weird murderous computer program yeah in the (laughs) vending machine yeah (laughs) well it's just like the the whole the main thing i got out of it the main thing I got out of it is there's a there's a scene you have with the navigator where it's like, yeah, I, humans are so afraid to let artificial intelligence exist because they're f- afraid of taking part in the act of creation of life. And I wrote down humans' hesitance to create sentience out of their own fear of lack of understanding. Like a fear of lack of understanding of what happens when something is effectively immortal and what happens, you know, a lack of understanding of religion and the afterlife and all that stuff is like, I thought it was a really cool way of reflecting the human's fear rather than like it being like this thing of, oh, the AI is going to take, become malicious and take over the world. It's more like, no, we're afraid of creating AI because we're we don't understand the purpose of our own existence. So what right of it is right what right of it is it of ours to create something that is also sentient? Yeah. I thought that was a really cool spin on that. 
I thought it was, I thought like the hunter and the killer are like two of the cooler aspects of this storyline because it's like, it's kind of this glimpse into like that fear that humans have actualizing, right? It's like, oh yeah, this program has been running for decades and it's expanded. It's gathered memory beyond what its programming was meant to do. Like if it realizes it's sentient, it'll do what it's designed to do on itself, you know? Um, and then there's just this, like the killer is like this blind thing, this like thing that maintains life despite outliving its lifespan and maiming itself. Like a program maiming itself is such an interesting concept. I also want to say this whole part is easily the most com like competently designed action sequence in the whole game. I think. Yeah, there's real there's real <laughs> tension and stakes when you go to confront the killer and the navigator ends up trapped like literally trapped, unable to move. Yeah. And it's just like, "Oh yeah, it's a matter of time. You better fucking get to it." I will say I don't mean to keep harping on this because I did like the storyline. If you happen to ignore or not find the navigator, the hunter just stops coming for you even when the bar fills up, which I found very strange. I didn't find the navigator till very late in the game. And you have like three encounters with the hunter when the bar fills up and then the bar will keep filling up but you just don't have a hunter cutscene, and it doesn't deal damage to I, you. I interpreted that as the bar filling up is a random chance of someone showing up because I had the hunter not show up the second time I filled the bar. Interesting. Hey, everybody. It's me stopping in for the mid-roll ad, reminding you to do all those super cool social media engagement metrics that help us so, so much. Liking, commenting, subscribing, rating five stars, not rating if you believe that we are under five stars, and, of course, committing tax fraud. Um, Still no advertisements, uh, but maybe one day we will have the opportunity to attempt to shell a product to you. Anyway, I'll throw you back. All right. So let's talk about... I'm going to switch to our season a little bit. Let's talk about Bliss. Are we going to talk about the Gardener yet? Oh, yeah. I guess we should talk about the Gardener, too. The Gardener is interesting in that it, it, it seems less sentient than the Navigator, whereas the Navigator has more of a personality and direction not no pun intended with what it's doing whereas the gardener almost feel as like it might be past that and is just still trying to fulfill its purpose i view i personally view the navigator as an individual and the gardener as a community right yeah is which is why i think that is i i do want to give people a little bit more context so the gardener is who you find after you finish the Navigator's quest line. It is the reason the Greenway is dark when you look at it with your network O-Vision. And it effectively 
is the reason why the Haifa commune didn't fail. It, if it, it, it saw these people trying to survive and was like, hey, that's cool. Let's do that. Let's try to, su- try to survive. And the gardener literally creates things for the people in his presence, no matter what, to try to support them existing, which is how you're able to grow mushrooms that turn into stabilizer. Yeah. Yeah, it's really sick. It's so sick. And then eventually the concept is that all all will be one. All will be a part of the hive mind of <laughs> this sort of synthetic brain commune, brain consciousness that the gardener has constructed. Very cool. I'm into it. I want to be part of the hive mind. Yeah, that's one of the endings you can get is you can literally dissolve into the hive mind. Like you, you, can, you can have your synthetic mind dissolve into the hive mind that's so based yeah that is one of the only endings i didn't get because i didn't understand you could continue from one of the leaving endings at that point yeah all right so let's talk about bliss and moritz moritz this is my favorite storyline this is one i felt to be the most emotionally touching and the most like prescient given like the through line through all of the sub stories Sure. This one was awesome. May I? Yeah, please. Yeah. So Bliss is this struggling, I say small business owner, but that doesn't like fully explain it. Small independent contractor. She lucked into getting this bay where she can do mechanical work on ships. No one wants to give her any business. So you're like strolling by one day and she's like, hey, you, you want a job? Please, God, please. I have a, I have a completely useless assistant and we're going under. And if you just spot me a little money, if you just spot me a little money, please, we can get this off the ground. Please, 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 please. You know, over the course of the quest line, you come to find out that her assistant, who she is not, well, she's like somewhat protective and emotionally connected with. The assistant, Moritz, is like way, way, way more appreciative and admirative of of her, of Blitz, uh, Bliss, because he was he tried to steal from her and she was like, you're not going to do that. I'm going to give you work. And he's like super indebted to her because of it. And you like go through you do all these like months of hard labor where you're fixing these ships. Um, you're doing these like. 10 man jobs with just the three of you and like you finally are able to get her business off the ground and she's like okay I'm sorry to say this but like I was only doing this so I could get the fuck out of here like I need to leave this sucks I don't want to do it and this was the ending I chose you can choose to go with her and you just leave Maritz crying as both of the people he's grown a bond with move on but he does accept it and is like this is just the way things go i and he he feels like empowered to be able to fix his life and make it independently and then like you leave the eye behind and take off for like a new beginning somewhere this was like this was awesome this was a great storyline so uh, we've got to talk about some other people here too yeah we're also going to talk about <laughs> ankita and ashton a little bit so uh, i felt 
Anki, the start of Ankita's storyline is like kind of weak to me. Yeah, I, but so, it gets going it gets in really good places. So I was very the culmination of the first apex of Ankita's storyline was the most confusing fucking writing to me. I did not even fucking understand what was happening. So you help out Ankita, right? She's she's down on her luck. Uh, she's down on her luck. You help her fix up her ship. Her fi- her ship had a ship mine stolen. This is like a tutorial for doing some quests and getting some skill points. You go to look for the guy who stole her ship mine originally. And you end up finding a weird sleeper that's been attached to a machine attached to a ship mind yeah yeah to, oh yeah to the ship mind that he stole and i i don't know the multiple ways this can work out like i don't know if you if you don't talk to ankita at all when you find it i don't know if you can actually talk to ashton but what happened was i talked to ankita at first then i stopped and then Ankita ends up killing Ashton. And apparently your character is upset about this. Well, she Ankita kills Ashton and the sleeper. And you get mad because she killed a sleeper. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I just didn't process what was going on there. Can I can I give my reading on this? Yeah. You roll up to where he's you roll up to where he is hiding out you find out that he is copying his girlfriend who he loves, right? Because he says, I, I love her. He's copying her consciousness into a shit mine because sleepers break down yeah. without oh, stabilizer. Right, right, right. So, so the sleeper was broken down. Okay. Yeah. And he's like, because sleepers break down if they don't get a constant stream of stabilizer. So he did the only thing he could to save the, the woman he loved, stole a shit mine from Ankita to put it in. And Kita already has a replacement ship mind because you made one for her in the process of her quest. However, she goes to take hers back from Ashton purely out of vengeance. Ashton had fired upon you two with guns, but didn't hit either of you. And probably could have. Maybe could have. It's not addressed. I mean, I, I think her killing Ashton was justified is my thing. I like, disagree. In my, think, in my game, in my game, he said... I'm going to put my gun down, take my ship mind and run. And then he goes to do it and she kills him. So in my game, he, he was not attacking. He was going to go to run away and she shoots him when he moves. He just shot at us. Oh, interesting. I mean, he takes the pot shots at you from afar, right? That is shooting a gun at a person. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, but I, my personal opinion is he could have hit those shots and they're, because he saw who it was, they were intended to be warning shots to try to just get people to like scare them off out of the situation. I don't believe. I mean, I don't believe in warning shots. I think sure, if you're yeah, shooting no. at a gun at a person, you're trying to kill. I mean, I don't. I don't. I, I don't think <laughs> it's an invalid the, reading. The other, it's just like we we read it a little differently. The other part of this for me is that I think the other reason why you're so upset with Ankita is because you thought that you that she had grown to be a better person than taking revenge like this you know you you are 
she is a, a person with a very rough exterior and a bad background and it takes her time to warm up to you but after you fix her ship you really see her light up and she's like i'm ready to move on from this life you know i i don't want to like be a person who hunts for money anymore and then the very next thing she does is go and kill a guy that worked for her for something she doesn't even need anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree. Like, I think, I don't know. I wish there was a way to talk her out of tracking him down. There's Maybe not. There is. There's I, I, not. I did. I, I will say this yeah. is, this is probably the only scene in this entire game that I actually did save scum a little bit where like, I was like, I don't, I want to see if I guess any way I can like stop this from playing out the way it does. And there's not. Because if you call her and have her join you, then she leads you around the back and the scene plays out the same. And then, so the scene doesn't play out the same. He never gets to take the warning shots, really. And then, if obviously, if you don't call her, she just shows up anyways because she's she's tracking you. So It I, always ends up with him, with Ashton and the sleeper and dead. dead. I... I I I and then and then the way it plays out is Ankita goes and gets all of all of the weapons on her ship taken off by Bliss and that's the ride that Bliss gets out of. The and, eye. and that's that's why that's why that was relevant to Yeah. Bliss I mean, Marks. but that's that's a cool wrap up to that it story. Is. Yeah. It's like she's so changed and moved by how she let you down, someone who she thought was her friend that she decides to pacify her her ship. She had she she knew she had to, it wasn't just enough to say I'm gonna be better I'm gonna change I'm gonna do better it, she had to actually physically take the step and she like takes point. her armor off too yeah that's like another very good visual change the 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 thing about Ankita's storyline that I personally found confusing was when you meet up with her in Bliss's hangar and mind you she killed a guy. And she's like, why are you still mad? I'm trying to put this behind me. I'm trying to move on and become a better person. And it's like, dog, you killed a guy. <laughs> Is this really an appropriate way to cope with this? These like thera- therapeutic strategies or like maybe do you want to go try and do something material to condone for the guy you killed? Yeah, I just kind of. I just kind of took that as that's how her personality is. Yeah, maybe. And she didn't she didn't really change that much outwardly even. She still needs time to reflect on the things that she's done before she can really like externalize the changes she wants to make. Yeah, what I'm getting out of this is I'm simply more cruel than the two of you. <laughs> I, I don't think you're more cruel. No, no, no. I, I don't. I don't think you have said something so far that I think is an invalid reading. I think you have come to the table with a different starting point, kind of in in your thought than we have and it's just shaped how you how you read the game and it's not i mean it's also not like ashton is a good person ashton was in exactly the same line of work as Ankita was (laughs) yeah like ashton is clearly a bad person as well it's not Mm -hmm. like you know he was some saint that Ankita was like hunting down and tracking mercilessly he did shoot at you i mean like i don't think you do i think you deserve to die No. no but like i think that's because I think it's like not justifiable to say that Ashton deserves to die, but Ankita doesn't because realistically, morally, those two characters are very similar. Yeah. yeah. They just have different motives that 
where they're at, you know. All right, let's talk about Lem and Mina. Another another heater. This was another heater. This was my favorite storyline in the game because I thought that the way that it unraveled was the most satisfying where like each time you interact with these people you learn a new important aspect about them from the very beginning where it's like and like you actually get to bonds with them in a way that I never really felt like you got with any of the rest of the cast of this game let me double looking at this I mean yeah I like you like these are the characters you really get to know on a deeply personal level more so than some of the other cast yeah and maybe Tala and I just like this was like a this was probably the most like typical refugees trying to immigrate to a better place trying to build a better life but it was I thought that it was done in such a way that really hit home and the moment that you learn that Mina is not even Lim's kid that was what really sold the storyline for me because it's like oh this guy was a soldier and he was just doing what he thought what he was supposed to do he was just following orders all that stuff but the moment that he realized he could do something better for somebody he dropped he like gave he up the pretense ship. and yeah. like was like i have a new thing i need to fix yeah i i really i really enjoy this storyline because it well one I think Lim is a very likable character. Yeah. I think Mina is a good facsimile of a child. Yeah. Like, you know, every every time you like engage with a video game, you're you're obviously just interacting with facsimiles of people, right? But like what a fact what a what a believable facsimile of an adult is, what a believable facsimile of a child is are yeah, mile apart. <laughs> Miles apart, and I don't think games do kids very well, or even try to do kids very well most of the time. There's a game that we'll play later on down the line <laughs> that I think you'll enjoy. But Mina, for that, Mina as a kid, which I mean, the game does give you softballs as yeah. to like how to interact with her properly. But like, it, it's still fun to like feel like you got it right. Right. I think it would yeah. be, and I think it would be really out of line for this game to like let you be a dick to me <laughs> yeah you know it, it also provides like you you know you are a robot in the game but you are the you are sort of the projection of a human conscience yeah and this is like one of the times that you see like this dissonance between what your mind is and what your body is because when Mina first sees you, she's like scared as fuck of you because you're a big fucking robot. And you're just trying to like, you'd be like, hey, kiddo, you know, you're trying to interact with the cute kid. And she's like hiding and shit. And it's like, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a scary robot. That's like, <laughs> that's probably super, the scariest thing she's ever seen. <laughs> and you get to like, you get to like decide how you want to act and like how you feel about that. And like, it's like, I mean, the game explores it in other ways too, especially with, the mushroom cook sorry uh emphasis emphasis like with emphasis a lot but this was the first time i kind of ran into it and i was like wow that's like this that's like what what it's about you know tension and i I just i don't know the storyline of like 
working so hard on the ship and just not even at a, at a promise, but even at just like a chance of just being able to go somewhere and do something better. And, you know, you don't get it. And it was all ruse from the start. It was never going to happen. And then you meet Caster and Caster's like, Hey, I'll get you on the ship, but only if you do something for me. And then I also found this of all the store of all the endings I did that were not related to the refugee flotilla. I thought this one was the one that had the most impact on me. Cause if you go with Lim and Mina, it's like, it's this really beautiful thing of like, you know, it just like you looking at the entire future of how things are going to play out. And it's literally like you like foreseeing how things are going to be on the ship. And there's a line towards the end where it's like, you know, eventually, you know, Mina can't fix you up anymore. You're like beyond repair. And she just like standing over you crying as you shut down for the final time. And then you, and then it just like cuts you back to you standing on the precipice of boarding the ship. And I, it was just really, I don't know. I don't know why that one like hit me harder than a lot of the other endings, but it felt very, a lot more meaningful to me in a way that's like kind of hard to get at fully. Well, I, I think it's like the most found family style thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Like when you leave with bliss and Ankita, it's kind of like your three travelers yeah. looking it's, to keep It's traveling, way more tense. Because right? Ankita's like, hey, what up? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and even even if you decide, like, the, so the other side of the ending is, like, you decide not to board the ship, and Caster shows up, and, and he's you're like, you're not mad at me? He's like, I can't force you to do anything, sleeper. That The whole thing is, like, you're, you're your own being. And Caster kind of just, like, walks off. Caster is also like a really cool character that I wish got utilized more. And I'm glad they utilized him more in the refugee flotilla storyline. But I, he's just like having like an enigma of a man who's just like, I'm around and I know things. I know basically everything and I'm here to gather a lot of information. I will say the, the resolution to the enigma is a little lame to me. But I, I agree with you on a premise. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so Caster, to fill you in a little bit, Mason, as a part of the refugee flotilla storyline, there's a, a pulse. The reason why these people had to flee from their home planet is because a big pulse basically knocked out all of the systems that were in place that were keeping the colonies up and running, so they had to flee their homes. But the weird thing about it is that it shouldn't actually be doing anything. Yeah. So there's this whole, the whole storyline is like you like discovering what the pulse is actually doing to this system. And basically there's like a viral code that's like sneaking in while the systems are down and like damaging stuff from the inside. All that to say, eventually you learn Caster is working for a company that has purchased this entire system because oh. they've realized that there is a very rare resource on one of the planets and there has already been constructed this thing. It's all it's all very sci-fi where it's like if if something is a pure material, you can 
transported between point A and point B instantaneously. Right. And this rare resource is one of those things. So this company bought this whole system and now they're using this pulse to basically get all the refugees to fuck off so they can start monetizing the system again because they see the refugees as like squatters on their property. Gotcha. So Caster shows up again and he's like, Hey, I don't need, I need you to stop doing what you're doing. This is all very intentional. And he actually like is able to like mess with your systems and stop you from moving, which is it like in the moment is very tense and intimidating because he's like this mysterious man <laughs> that you don't know anything about that apparently has all this power over you. He, he does an evil monologue and then peak shows up and, Beats show. Yeah. <laughs> that rules. And then cat I don't I just I just I find it interesting that Caster is kind of like an antagonistic force that actually grows and changes rather than like kind of hits the same notes all the time. Because you don't even realize he's an antagonistic force early on. But even when he like reveals himself, the ne- the next time he shows up after he reveals himself, he's like all right, sleeper, I'll play by your rules. I'll give you your self-control, but you have to help me. Yeah. It is very cool that he gives you two of the most valuable resources for information on the two main factions. Yeah, that's like the- all, that was <laughs> my main source of interaction with him. He's like, because you get me five Yadagon, I'll give you a shit mind. And I was be- like, holy fuck, a shit because mind. Because the fact that he's working for that corporation makes you doing that like a very it gives it a very different context yeah yeah he's sinister and like you don't even realize it until so so deep in the game uh let's let's talk about my favorite character which is emphasis emphasis rules emphasis is so cool emphasis is almost perfect like I, I, it's so hard for me to find any flaws with this character and God, I wish there was more interactions you got to have with him because. Hey, they didn't have time to ruin it. Okay. Yeah. It was yeah. short, sweet. Everything was juice the entire way. Emphasis. Great. Five, five out of five. Yeah. I just appreciated his character so much because. And all this like harsh reality, he's just like, I just want to cook good food. Just talk to people. Food, talk to people, listen to stories, and I want to talk about my one moment from this game real quick, and I'll I'll open the floor for us all before we get to the refugee flotilla stuff because that's all mostly going to be me and Buck talking. My one moment with this game was the when. When Emphis tells you his story, you I stole mean, my moment. <laughs> we can have the same yeah. moment. We can yeah, have the same, same moment. moment. It's a good it, moment. It's, it's it is. It's a it great is, moment. Oh, I I had to like I had to like stop and sit there for a moment. Yep. Because you know when you tell Emphis your stories, you're like, yeah, I I like think back. I try to think back to the memories that were taken from me as a human so that I would be more cooperative as a sleeper. But, you know, it's it's kind of like bits and pieces, and you tell them about the hard working life of the labor you have to do on this mining planet that you were sent to. And then Invis is just like, yeah, I was, me and my entire class of people, we were sold this corporate propaganda that we could, like, 
get put in these big machines and go around and, and knock shit this, over and this be awesome. This corporate propaganda they were sold was pilot cool fucking robot. Yeah, it's literally yeah. be a, <laughs> a gun pilot. pilot. <laughs> and it was like, all right, now we have to implant you with some highly experimental technology so that you can pilot them more effectively. And it just like straight up killed people. I'm going to be honest. It would have worked on me. <laughs> yeah. If if a if a company was like, "Hey, we're gonna put we're gonna put some very safe, very well tested technology in your arm, so you can swing a big two ton cyber arm around," I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, dude!" <laughs> be like that's that rules. The thing, right? Is that, that is so, it's, that sounds like, so cool. The, the the equivalent to me to this is like the Tesla being like, "All right, you can you can beta test our." Our automatic driving, driving for us <laughs> and, then it and just you're just like yeah man my car will drive itself i'm in and then your car blows up <laughs> and, and mows five people over and it's just like i don't know i just it was so realistic to me because it's like fuck man so many people buy into corporate propaganda all the time over literally anything yep and it's just you know it's advertising it's it's the bombardment of concepts and like getting fed all these ideas and like even like even like you know, corporate propaganda is just like bootstrapping and like you can be anything in your life even it's like cool down to that to stuff buy into good ideas that you think are gonna improve society right yeah. like do y'all do y'all remember i think it was about 10 15 years ago so it was way back you may not remember back when peter molly was like the king and he was like for the xbox connect we have made the cyber boy and he's like, this is Peter. You can talk to him. He'll talk to you like a real boy. And it was it, all just... It's just like fake. fake. He's, just, he's just like <laughs> lied about it all. What? Like, damn it. I thought they put a, a boy in my Xbox. There's a there's a cool thing. Or, or there's not a cool thing. There There's a story about how during the very first demonstration of the... I don't remember if it was, it was some Apple product. It was like the first edition of the iPod or the iTouch or whatever. They kept having to swap out the model they had on the stage because it stopped working multiple times during the presentation <laughs> so they just swapped out the one they were using over and over again to like give it the premise that it, it was a functional material but then like the thing is is like after it was over emphasis just realized that all he wanted to do was just something simple that made people happy and like let him indulge in the lives of other people you know he he was he recognized that he was lucky enough to get out of that and he saw his horrendous pain in his arms from the implants that were put into him but he he finds a simple purpose in just cooking and this is an analogy for a lot of things right this is an analogy for being sent to war yep mm -hmm. uh it's an analogy for you know, entire cities being built up by industry and then the industry leaves. Yeah. Yep. All the rich people leave, but all the all the workers are left. Are just yeah. like you just have to stay there. You came here to work. Now what do you do? It reminded me of like the story of US coal miners a lot, the radium girls, or you know, any of these any of these things. The the line that stuck out to me the most, and it, it wasn't even necessarily related to the arc was it is not that there is nothing to say. It is that sometimes in the moments after something, speaking breaks the spell, and then you just 
it's just you and Emphis just sitting there in silence as you finish your meal. And because, because like realizing, having the realization of someone's life story and what has made them a person, I think it's, I think that's like an important thing a lot of people should like sit and reflect on more. It's like, it's okay to just sit and think about the things that have been said and how they have, you know, irreconcilably changed the lives of the people and just just give yourself the space to think and reflect on conversations that you have had you know give yourself the time in the day to just think about important conversations you've had and what they mean you know absolutely and another thing I'll lend to emphasis is he is probably the single best example in the game of the character art adding to the character like if you just showed someone a, the picture of emphasis for half a second right and then it went away they would be like oh that's like a big grimacing man with a big shield and some kind of weapon and he's in body armor yeah and then but like he has a the, walk then you focus on it and it's like oh he's not holding a shield he's like holding a walk up and he's scowling and he's big and he's muscular but he's He's not holding a weapon. He's holding a plastic container full of leeks and mushrooms. And he's not wearing body armor. He's just wearing like big pants. <laughs> it's like and and I, scowling. I didn't even notice the implants yeah, until the he told the story. And then I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, they're on the art. <laughs> Emphis is awesome. Emphis is so cool. And he's also kind of just a tutorial character, but he's the best written one mm-hmm. by a lot. All right. So let's. Uh, Mason, one moment. Uh, I already covered it a little bit earlier, but my ending that I picked with Blitz and uh, Bliss and Maritz was really, really touching to me because you get the opportunity to tell Maritz as he's crying after Bliss just told him that she's leaving, and he's like, "You're not going too, are you?" And he kind of like sensed, he kind of like understood what I was going to say already because he was like tearing up and barely holding it together and i was like yeah i'm leaving and he you know he just kind of he's resigned and he's like i get it you know you got to do what you got to do but like in the end he just kind of accepts like you know people move on in life and like the storyline between bliss and maritz specifically with regards to maritz was someone sort of regaining their humanity their dignity their self-worth after they had been reduced to being a criminal and it's like you're leaving maritz's life but maritz doesn't need you anymore in the way that he needed bliss and you at the beginning of the storyline and like even though you see maritz at his lowest because he's like losing people he loves and he's crying it's a very empowering scene for him and it's it was my favorite storyline of the game, and it was the ending I chose for a reason because it it like it so beautifully captures all of the themes of the game in that one quest line. It was excellently done, IMO. All right, so let's let's talk about the refugee flotilla arc a little bit. So the first arc is. Esh and Peak, or Ash, Ish. Yeah. Uh, I'll say Esh. Esh. Esh and Peak try to 
break through this blockade for this refugee flotilla to deliver them supplies. And I don't know. I kind of felt this was the weakest part yeah. of the there, storyline. There's not a lot of story here until yeah. the end when you when Helen calls you. Yeah. And you she's like, "Hey, don't do this. There are detractors in the thing." And I will say, I understand that this game, I think a point of this game is to, like, I think it is an active decision to not have a fail state, and I don't care about that. Right. But (laughs) it's so hard to feel like things have stakes when, like, Helen is telling you this, and you've been through everything already. Right. And you're like, nothing bad's gonna happen if I go through with this. And I mean, there's nothing this weird corporate administrator... Well, okay, I... Something we haven't addressed. Havenage is like an employee-owned company. Yeah, um, well, they float. They've they are this descendant, this institutional descendant of a unionized space station. Yeah, they're like they're like a governing force. They they consider themselves the governing force of the eye. Yeah, and so like when she's saying this, I'm like, I'm gonna go through with it because it's the right thing to do. So so kind of fill me in here that you're you're tasked with breaking the blockade that's keeping the refugees on the flotilla to deliver them supplies sure sure so they're being they're being blocked by havenage yeah they're being blocked by havenage from like coming in and getting supplies the the most legitimate reason is sickness yeah they're being quarantined is Um, the way they put it but like also there are hardline havenage people who are like you know I hate immigrants. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> They're meant to be like far right. Like there's like a xenophobic kind of kind of lean yeah. to, to what they're saying. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, Havenage is not painted in a very positive light throughout the other events of the game, anyway. No. So, I mean, none of I realistically, I wouldn't say any of the governmental institutions are like it's only Haifa that's really painted in a positive light in any way, shape, or form. And Haifa is not even really a, a government. It's just no. like a group of, it's e- a collective e- of people. Even Haifa are shown to be like kind of aggravating to the other people. And also they wouldn't exist yeah. if it weren't for artificial intelligence keeping yeah. them alive. So The game is very critical of large, large institutions as a whole. So you end up, you can either succeed or fail this. I failed. I think Buck succeeded. But Esh makes the run regardless of whether you fail or succeed. It's just if you fail, she like gets caught and messes up really badly and it but you still get to progress to like the next part of the storyline. The the second and third arc is where things really get rolling. You get to meet Soul, who is the man who runs the main ship of the refugee flotilla. Essentially, what you learn is that each of these ships came from a different colony of the same system, and they had wildly different upbringings, wildly different experiences with their colonies. So the main ship is from a planet that was successfully terraformed, produced a lot of you know, crops, was very self-sustaining, was a successful piece of all this and so all the people are very like industrious and 
a little entitled to an extent. Yeah. And and they are therefore the governing body over the other two. Yeah. Or the, they were. <laughs> the second ship is Aki. You meet Aki and their planet was the first planet that was attempted to be terraformed but wasn't successful. And so the people had to figure out how to survive in the harsh realities of their planet. And so they like learned to like grow plants that grow like under the dirt essentially. And you know, they are, they are jealous and the best way to put it is that they are jealous that they were kind of abandoned. Their planet was abandoned and they were left behind to struggle and then they moved on to this other planet where they were successfully able to terraform everything. And they, so like, there's like a, a tension there where it's like, they're like, well, we have to preserve our culture and our history because we worked so hard for it. They were just handed everything they were given. We actually had to like build it ourselves. And then the third planet, which is, uh, Peter is the leader. And I use that term very loosely was a planet that was literally just fueling energy into the other planets. They're they're all just mechanical engineer anarchists that lived in a volcano. Yeah. And died in a volcano. Yeah, their life was just <laughs> shit. God, life, I wish that were me. Their life was just incredibly shitty. They're like, yeah, our life was shitty, and we don't feel like we owe anything to these people, and we feel like they owe everything to us because they wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for us working on a death planet to keep yeah. their ecosystems running. Okay, so you have infighting. Yeah. You have outward pressure. And what so what is, what is the inciting incident? Is it is it peak making this well, run? Well, so basically Esh makes the run. Oh, sorry, she, Esh. she fails and now there's like the 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 whole thing is like the refugees are like we're running from this weird mech- Elect the, the, pulse. the inciting incident is the flux happened here. Yeah. And their systems are now collapsing. Yeah. Oh. And so the, you either, the two things you can do are help the refugees build their ships to be able to leave. Cause they don't even want to stay at the eye. Cause eventually you learn soul is like, yeah, well our intent was never to stay here. Our intent was to get people off the eye to help them leave. And to, like, take more people aboard and, like, get them out of here. Also, um, something we haven't mentioned about Sol that I do want to mention. Is this dude is stuck in a fucking bodysuit because he is he was crippled from his labor. And the bodysuit actually, like... Fused to him. Yeah, like, they use it so that he can still ha- keep his autonomy. It's have, cool. Have either of you read the book The Way of Kings? No. Damn it. I haven't. It's like a, it's like a character in The Way of Kings. Essentially, it was like power armor that like helped him farm. But in in the wake of the disaster, he like f- made it over into like structural support for his body. It's really cool. So basically, you can either help the flotilla build their systems, various resources, yeah, build their systems in such a way that they'll be able to continue to support. Because like. Peter is supposed to be like Peter's group is supposed to be like the security. Aki's ship is supposed to like help produce food for everybody. And then soul ship is meant to be like the carrier for all the people because that's all this excess, excess space on it. 
because their ship was a cargo ship that was meant to haul supplies, but now it just has all this empty space that they weren't using because they had to like shutter the doors because they couldn't keep things powered properly or something like that. And then the other thing you can do is on the eye combat whatever this pulse is to like try to keep the eye up and running. So those are like the two things like you're working towards and against. And the, eventually you learn that Esh, part of Esh's cargo run was to bring guns to the refugees to help them fight back against, like literally fight back against Havenage. But those get confiscated by Havenage. And Havage is like, well, now we have the guns. Y'all are going to leave or we're oh, going to start killing people. This is, this is going to... Okay, this is so a difference because my th- Esh got caught on mine. She didn't get Ed, caught on yours. Yeah, Esh didn't get caught in mine, so the weapons disappeared, and they don't know what happened to them. That seems like a problem. <laughs> that seems like something that shouldn't just be dropped. A bunch of guns disappearing. So this would be cool to find out what the difference is. Yeah, so the guns end up in the hands of the, the hardliners in Havenage, and then at the ends, like towards the ends, they like the hardliners show up and they're like, "All right, here's my." I don't remember. I don't know if you got the scene with the hardliner guy. I did, but the hardliners didn't have the gun. They have the guns. <laughs> if you fail, they like, yeah. "Hey, we have guns. Fuck off, or we're gonna start shooting people." And Soul's just like, "Yeah, we don't want to stay here anyways. We'll gladly leave," you know. And so Soul like breaks his suit and releases a bunch of steam and they like fire shots and they might kill Helen, but you never find out. I see. So in mine, what happened is the hardliner guy shows up and I think this is after all of the stuff is done for the flotilla. Yeah. The hardliner guy, the the hardliner guy shows up and He's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. I have found you scheming behind the back because it's Helen and Soul who are yeah. meeting. You bring Helen and Soul together to like try to come to an understanding of and, stopping the pulse. And the hardliner guy is like, why are you meeting with them? And then uh, Soul's guys walk in with the guns. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's very different. And- <laughs> okay, yeah, so the refugees do get the guns. And... Uh- <laughs> And what the fuck are you doing here? You want to try that again, Chief? You want to give that one more go? <laughs> and so the hardliners are effectively run off, and Helen is safe. And so, like that—that's the big difference. There is whether or not I think Helen is safe, and if Helen is safe, that changes the ending you get to where Helen is able. Like the hardliners just disappear. Effectively, they lose all their power. That's cool. That's much better than the ending <laughs> I, I got. I do, th- I do think that even though there are some times in this game where there is a lack of fail state and things just kind of work out, I do feel like the game does a good job of making you feel like your decisions matter a lot. You know, even if they, like, obviously it gets diminished if you see a point where, like, it might not feel like it matters as much. But when you actually make the decision, like I had a lot of the times where I had a, I, there was like a dialogue choice I had to make where I was like, I really don't know which way to go on this. I had to like sit and think on it a little bit, yeah. which I think is the mark of a good R, RBG because like 
I am actually having to like get into the head of this person and like figure out the decisions that I would make. Whether or not the actual implementation is good is another thing. But yeah, that's that's a different. I, I did feel like my choices mattered insofar as I was presented with a choice sometimes and the actual decision I made was I felt I was to make was very difficult. But I thought the it's like I, I don't want to stay on for too long since I know Mason didn't get to experience it. But I thought the whole refugee flotilla kind of like post game arc is was like really well done. Lots of intrigue. I think the pulse being a structure of the company that Caster is working for is a little mixed, but I like how it's done. I like how it's implemented. It's cool that the navigator gets to come back and help you like fix the issues with the station. Cause like, of course he would be the, of course the navigator is going to help you out. He's a sentient AI. He's going to be the one to know how the interior parts of systems work. The way you solve the way, like the solve, the solution to the pulse is that you take seeds from the gardener and you plant them in the major systems of the station because you think the gardener will cultivate them and then those areas will get that black oh, part God. that will protect and, the eye. And the reason gotcha. you do this is because the Greenway is not affected by the flux the way everything oh, else is. Oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So this is like, there's like really cool. I, and like I know you're probably not gonna have time to go back and play all this stuff, but if you do, you should because I think the way the the refugee flotilla arc really utilizes a lot of the culminations of the storylines in the game that don't real that don't have an ending. So like you know, Tala shows up, Rika shows up, you know, uh, Fang shows up for a little bit of it, not much. A lot of these characters that didn't get a, a full conclusive storyline or like an, a game ending get to show up later and actually have a little bit more impact on how this plays out, which I really appreciated. So a couple things as we're moving sort of towards the end of the episode that I'm very interested in. Was this, do you, do you, either of you know if this was sort of the freshman game for the, it dis- is. okay. This is the first game this, this group of people have made really good, really good for first game. And they're making a sequel. And I'm very interested to play that. I'm like genuinely interested in what direction they go with that game. I, I definitely want to cover it when it releases. Oh, there's one other thing I think we need to talk about. Are Is, we the Esh and peak thing or no something else? We can talk uh, about the Esh and peak. I, thing I if don't want re- to, I don't really need to talk about the Eshin peak thing. It's kind of similar to other stuff. It's it's, Eshin Peak's plot thread reminds me a lot of Bliss and Moritz. Moritz, because like Esh built Peak up as a person. It's just their relationship ends up being more antagonistic than Bliss and Moritz's storyline did. Whereas like Esh is like, we have to leave on this flotilla. We have to go. I didn't sacrifice all these things in my life so that you could stay behind and ruin everything for yourself. And Esh is like, or and Peak is like, no, we have to stay and fight. All we've been ever been doing is running. I'm going to stick my feet in the ground and fight for something for once. And that like, it was really good. It was really well done, but like it did feel like similarly treaded ground from other parts of the game. Okay. So one important thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about the implications of the sleeper's continued existence 
because one of the things you learn over the course of the game is that by the sleeper continuing to be conscious, the person that they are replicating back home doesn't wake up. Yeah, they can't wake up. The until... person back home doesn't wake up until the sleeper is terminated. Well, wouldn't, wouldn't SNR decide whether or not to turn them back on? That's the, that's how I read it. The human? Yeah, because the human's in cryo sleep that's controlled by SNR, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we never like we never really figured out, but the 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 concept I got at least in the mind of the sleeper is the human doesn't get to wake up until the sleeper has like fulfilled its purpose or is like finished gone. a term of. Work. I don't. Yeah. I don't think like my thing is is I don't think the sleeper being terminated means the person gets to wake up. Not not necessarily. We don't actually get to know. I just think it's really interesting through line of there being tension of the sleeper having to like think about like reckon with the fact that their continued existence is directly harming someone else from content from getting to live their life but actively choosing that hey that person decided to sign their life away to do this that doesn't mean that i don't get to deserve to live my my existence however confusing it might be I do think that simply logistically looking at it from a purely world building standpoint, if you're asleep, you probably don't get thought until they have, because correct me if I'm wrong, you, what you traded was you get to be on a colonization attempt. They shoot you onto a new planet. You get a whole new life. And then in, in exchange, you submit your consciousness to be projected into a sleeper for some term of work, right? So I would imagine you wouldn't get unthought until they have a colony that they're ready to shoot you to. Yeah. I also and they imagine could just lie and that could never happen. I yeah. thought I thought it was like a matrix thing where you like sign a contract to do X amount of work as a sleeper and, and then, then they pay you out at the ends. Yeah. It, I don't know. There, it it's not that it part of the, it that, could be both. I'll say that part's not super clear. I don't think it's ever made like it's not because like it's the, left purposefully it, completely ambiguous. Yeah. I think. Yeah. But I, I just think that aspect's really cool of like the sleep the tension of the sleeper having to choose to live in spite of the fact that the sleeper knows you it's like potentially harming the people. Slip, the sleeper is the most ship of Theseus that a ship of Theseus has ever shipped. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> one one thing I do find funny is that like, imagine you did this and your sleeper ran off. I bet SNR would be would just like unthaw you and be like, "Hey, buddy, fuck off." Your sleeper ran off, and you'd be like. Well, what does that have to do with me? And they'd be like, "It's you, it's you, <laughs> it's you, dog. It's you. We just—that's <laughs> your ass that fucking ran off. But go There's away. There's another you out there that ruined everything yeah. for us. Go. You, you have to leave now. You have to go away. We're, we're not holding up our end of the bargain. So yeah. So they are making a sequel to this game. As a note, the canon ending to this game supposedly is that you, the sleeper doesn't leave. Okay. The canon, as far as Ever? I can tell. The canon ending is you stay on the eye for the rest of your life. Mm. I'm going to choose the canon ending where I left on the ship with Aki. Yeah. <laughs> you're a lot like you, you, you're, it's you're, yours, right? Yeah, it's, you're, you're, as much yours your as it is. Your head canon can be whatever you want. 
I don't I don't know if that I just don't know if that's gonna play into the sequel or not. So I don't know if the sequel is even gonna be at any all any way related to the events of this game. But we'll we'll just have to see as it develops out. So next time. Oh, I'm so excited. We're gonna be talking about the outer worlds. The Outer Worlds. I want to stress that it is the Outer Worlds and not the Outer Wilds because I know those two games came out at a similar time. It might be easy to mix those up. You chose don't this. Worry. You chose don't, to do this for a bit, and now you're worry. having to clarify. We're, ca- we're covering the Outer Worlds. I've had my wife ask me three times in the past week if I'm sure I'm starting the right one <laughs> because you wanted to do this for a bit. <laughs> you're sure, right? We're not going to get 10 hours into this game, and then gonna, you realize it's the, the other outer- one? Well, World, World. The, Obsidian the Obsidian RPG. Game. That was styled after Fallout, after people didn't, they weren't allowed to make another fall game after New Vegas. Something like that. Okay. Yeah, Bye.